Hello, my darlings. Welcome to Ink Medicine Podcast. It's me, Micah Riot. I'm about a week behind. I recorded a really wonderful episode last week with a new friend, a tattoo artist who uh, works in Michigan and is a grief-informed practitioner and specifically works with uh, trauma survivors. That's specifically where she likes to put her energy as a tattooer. It was about two and a half hours long, and I'm going to split it up into two parts and release it over the next couple of weeks. The solo episodes that I release in between my interviews, um, I had a bit of a hard time with that. I have to be honest. I had some topics, but I didn't have the emotional energy to just give you myself, just just me with nobody else um, to distract me from me. I hope you enjoy this episode, how I started my own business. It has very much been a solo journey. Uh, here we go. I started tattooing in a shop. It was a really busy walk-in shop. And this was 2008-ish. And at that time, Instagram wasn't a big thing. Definitely websites were a big thing already, for sure, and email. And so people did look at the shop's website and email people who were part of the crew. But people were still walking into the shop and looking at books and picking people based on that or like chatting with artists or like just walking in and saying, hey, I'm interested in florals. And then the person at the counter would be like, okay, these two people do florals. Take a look at their books and pick one. So when I was at that shop, I apprenticed, I went on to, to work and I got really busy really fast. Well, because I think I was really cheap because I was apprenticing and then starting out and people liked my work and people um, enjoyed working with me. So I built up a clientele pretty fast. And at that time, being in the shop was absolutely necessary to have a tattooing business. People's, people who had a lot of clients, of course, started to sort of branch off and like there were private studios. But the easiest way to start your career as a tattoo artist was to apprentice in a busy walk-in shop and then tattoo everybody you could get your hands on. There you go. And the way that shop fees work is the shop takes, uh, at the time, standard was 50%. And that's what it was at my first shop. So 50% of what you made went to the shop. And for a while there, it was worth it because I got a lot of clientele from the shop, just from the website, from the reputation um, Black and Blue was the best of the Bay many years in a row, picked by like the city-wide voting that happens um, every year in San Francisco. And uh, the owner paid for insurance and for credit card fees and for um, a lot of the supplies. So it was fine for me at the time. I was grateful I got to tattoo it all. 
And then after a while, um, and I'd moved in diff- to different rooms in the shop. Like the, the shop itself had three primary rooms and then it had a room in the back that was the old dirty room where like all the like cleaning essentially happened. And then when we m- went from having metal tubes to having plastic single use t- tubes, we didn't need that room anymore. So it was converted to a little tattooing room. And that's where I ended up. And it was sweet, but it was a little bit lonely back there. It was like my own tiny room with a door, like kind of nice, also kind of weird. Uh, and overall, the shop was just really loud, really busy, and it was enjoyable for a time. And then after a while, I was like, I just want to have a bit of a quieter environment. And around that time, somebody I used to work with at Black and Blue uh, opened up her own shop. It was like a women's queer shop where Black and Blue had been that, but then changed and kind of wasn't everybody's shop in that moment. So I moved about a mile or so, a mile and a half away to another part of the mission to this person's new shop. And there uh, it was me, her, and like two other artists. So it was a much smaller, much quieter, much more chill shop. And that was a scary change to make. Like any change is scary, right? But I was going from a really busy best of the bay walk-in shop to like a no-name shop, kind of hoping to support the person that I that owned that shop to help her build her business out. And I was hoping I'd have a little bit more say in like how the shop looked and how it was run, etc. Um, and it didn't really happen that way, but I got what I wanted, which was like a quieter shop and more space. And uh, the rate was better. So it was 60-40. So 60 to me, 40 to the shop. And I thought it would be great. I thought it would be sweet and small and family-like. And it was that sometimes. But overall, I realized that I didn't feel as good there as I wanted to. The relationships I was building there weren't uh, giving me quite as much as I was giving them. And I um, was sad because of it, honestly. Um, I just didn't really know... You know, I was like, okay, working in a shop, having a boss, having coworkers, there's always going to be like interrelational issues, misunderstandings, personality clashes, um, et cetera. But um, what ended up happening in, then, you know, I was there for about two years after about four years at my first shop at Black and Blue. The person I was dating at that time said to me, hey, why don't you go off on your own? There's a building called Active Space, which was really close to my house, actually, like down the street from all this stuff. Cause we were all, this was all the same neighborhood in San Francisco in the mission. And so this building active space, it is a big building full of suites and it was for like art makers. So people had stu- art studios in there. People had therapy offices. People had, there were some tattoo artists in there, uh, There were like offices for other businesses located in there. It was really cheap rent. Like you could get a small suite for like 400 bucks basically. So my girlfriend at that time said, hey, check this out. You would pay way less rent and you just completely have say over everything in your business. And um, that person I was dating had their own business. So they knew what they're talking about. And I was like, okay, I'll think about this. And you know what? It was it was really scary. Honestly, every change is scary when it comes to running your own business and changing locations and changing like systems. Um, 
But it was, it made sense. Like when I looked at the numbers, the amount of money I was giving to the shop was way, way more than what I was going to be giving to active space for rent. And even with the fees for like insurance and the supplies that I wasn't buying, it still would add up to like me, you know, paying way less in costs to run my business. And there were, it was a steep learning curve for sure. Like I, you know, left that shop and I got a studio, a a space, a suite, and I had to like change the flooring and I had to figure out how to, um, decorate my space and like what my brand was, what colors I wanted to use, what furniture I wanted to buy. And it was all super exciting. I was stoked. And I made it all work. Like there were things like dealing with the health department. You have to call them and apply for, uh, for like the health department kind of basically sign off. Like, uh, they, they come, they come through, they make sure you're up to code. They give you a piece of paper that says you're up to code and you have to pay a lot of money for that. It's like a thousand dollars. Um, the business license thing, which I had already had actually, but then I had to, uh, register like the space that I was in, like the shop. So in tattooing, there's you, the tattoo artist, and there's the shop you work at. So usually the shop is taken care of by the owner that includes insurance for the shop. Um, but then each tattoo artist also has their own insurance along with the shop having insurance. And so as a, the owner of a shop with no other employees, I'm basically paying the shop insurance and then my insurance as a tattoo artist, right? So it's it's not quite as much, but it ends up being quite a bit of money. Um, but I had to figure all that out. Like I didn't know this because I wasn't told. <laughs> I asked, but I there wasn't a ton of help. Um, there's sort of a vibe in the tattoo world where people feel like they don't want to help you because they did it on their own they figured it out and and, you know it made them stronger or something so if you want to figure it out too you should do it on your own and it will it will make you who you are i guess or something the biggest scary the scariest part of being completely on my own was of course will i be able to get enough clientele to make this work will i be able to keep running this business And as this was all happening, Instagram was becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I had plenty of clients. I got on some lists uh, of like best tattoo artists in San Francisco that people would look at and like call me from. Uh, My Instagram was doing well. I had my website, which was doing fine on, you know, Google searches. So I was doing fine and I had enough clients. And if I had too many, like I would send them off to other people. I would send them off to my old shop here or there. So it was all, you know, worked out. Um, The next piece of it was that that little shop that I had in the city at Active Space, like there were a lot of issues, of course, with I had moved to Oakland. So I had to commute back to San Francisco across the bridge every day, twice a day. And the traffic got to me. I was like in the car for about an hour each way, even though it's a 20 minute drive without traffic. But that just doesn't happen. So I was in the car close to two hours every day I did bring um parking was hellish like it was just hard to find parking in the mission so I started paying for it so then I was paying an hourly fee for parking my car I couldn't take BART because I um would usually bring my dog in and um she would be in the crate you know so all fine and 
I got tired of the commute and my space was really small. It was about seven by 15 or something. So it was a, like a narrow little box of a room. And I decided I wanted to, so at that point, you know, I was close to 10 years tattooing. So I had been at my first shop for four, and then I was at uh, the next shop for two, and then I was on my own at that point for about, yeah, about three to four years. So it was coming upon 10 years, and I decided I would have a big fundraiser, like a big client appreciation party. I would invite all the clients that I could get a hold of, and um, I ended up getting my old gym, um, which was a warehouse space, for free. And I organized this giant party. So we had food, drinks, DJ for dancing. We had a spanking room, which was really fun. We had different like games, like balloon games with numbers inside for like prizes. And we had a raffle and we had performances. So it was like this big party that I threw and with the help of a few of my close friends, it was exhausting and really fun. And I did not raise very much money. It was only about, it was about, it was a few thousand dollars. Not that it wasn't worth it. It was totally worth it, really memorable, but exhausting. And I wanted to raise that money so I could move to a bigger space. I decided I would get a bigger shop with several chairs. You know, this is how you grow as a tattoo artist. You work on your own and then you like open a shop with other people, give them an opportunity and also able to, at that point, you're able to make a bit of passive income. And that's what I was going to do. But when I started looking at spaces, I did not want to take on rent that I could not pay on my own. And at that time, the market wasn't great. So I looked and looked and looked and looked, eventually found a space that I am in now. It was the cutest space that I could find. Um, it was so charming. I was excited. Location was good. Parking was good. The rent worked for me. It was more than I was paying in the city for sure, but by a lot, like twice as much. But it was um, like fine. I could do it on my own. And I took it. And even though I could put another chair in there, maybe even two chairs if I tried really hard, I had decided that I would just stay there on my own. And that was good because the pandemic hit. As I moved in there, I moved in there in 2019, like in the spring and April, and the pandemic hit the next year, right? So, of course, I kept the space. If you've been tattooed by me in the past four years, you have been to the space. It's a lovely space. It's, you know, perfect for just me. Uh, what's happening in the next year or so is that I'm about to have my first apprentice. So I'm going to have to make a space for her which will change the way the space looks. I'm going to take out the big table and create a station in the other corner of the room. I think we'll have plenty of space. I think we'll be just fine. And I'm not foreseeing that we'll work every single day together, but this is a big transition. And when you think about being a shop owner, being a business owner, like these are the things that challenge you as you go, right? The way that you grow, whether that be like doing a rebrand or like changing your services or adding services or taking on employees um, or apprentices. These are all the markers of business growth. And that's what's happening right now. Uh, I'm growing again. 
uh, which is really exciting and also kind of scary. Like, am I going to be able to give this person what they need? Am I going to provide them with, you know, enough clientele? Am I going to provide them enough skills? Uh, are we going to get along? Um, you know, all these questions come up, you know, it's a new relationship. It's a close relationship. And of course, even as it's exciting, it's also nerve wracking. Uh, but I'm more excited, I have to say. The other things that, of course, I think about often are, what if I move to a bigger space? Um, what if we want to have a third person join our team at some point? What if we rebranded? What if we got signage? What if we redid our website? So all these things are points of growth that I'm going to look at in the next year or so. Now that I've told you about my journey so far in being a business owner, I am thinking about how I could summarize that, how I could bring home some of the points of being a business owner. Like how would somebody else who has a different type of business relate to me in this instance? What would be helpful to them about what I've done? And I think that primarily it is taking those steps and trusting that things will fall into place. Um, and I think people say that a lot as advice for business owners, but it has been true for me. I realize there's privilege in that. You know, I haven't, there's privilege I have and there's privilege I don't have. I did not have any family financial support. So it's not like somebody gave me a bunch of money and said, open a shop, make it beautiful, make it work. I really just had to go on what I made and at times fundraised to create the spaces that I have created for myself in this business. Um, I traded for my website originally, um, believe it was like half trade, half money with my friend. And I still have the website. I think I'm going to shift it a little bit now because I don't think it's very uh, optimized for the modern sort of Googling situation experience. But I've done a lot of trading for things. For my logo, I traded with a client, a friend. Uh, and it, you know, that logo, it was like, I gave him some art and I was like, I think it's something kind of like this. And he like tried and did things and it, I didn't really like it. And then he did a thing that he thought would be cool. And then I was like, this is really cool, but I don't know if it's me. It's just so sleek and beautiful and kind of geometric. And then we basically like went on the journey and came back to what he created for me. And I still have it and I still use it and it's beautiful. So uh, trusting other people who are helping you. So I guess that's the other thing is, you know, if you can trade, trade, like trading is awesome. It's a cool experience. If it works out, doesn't always. Uh, and then trust the other professionals that you choose. And also at the same time, like, it's okay to say, no, I don't like that. Let's do something different. Um, for example, you know, with the podcast, I wanted to, I wanted to have spiffier looking announcements for each episode. And I know somebody who does some design. And so I asked that person to do some designing for me. And uh, they got me started on using Canva. They were like, sign up for Canva, send me your login. And then they sent me some examples of things that I wasn't into. But what I realized while signing up for Canva and like talking to them about it and seeing what they came up with is that I can do it myself. And so I paid them for their time, but also went to Canva and just did my own thing and like they came out beautiful. Like I'm happy with my episode announcements now. 
from the last week. So uh, those are the, you know, those are the tips like um, trust other people. So trust yourself. You probably can do more than you think you can do. And also if you need, need professional help, hire the person. Um, once upon a time I had a, for a few months, I hired an acquaintance for um, helping me with some things like being a personal assistant. It was just a few months, but she got so much done and I'm still, you know, using the things that she set up for me. So I, um, it was good. It was a good decision. And it's, uh, I think it's important to ask for help and then, you know, integrate that, integrate the fruits of those labors into your business. Uh, yeah, we're a bit of a, you know, right now with the recession, I think that we're at a bit of a crossroads as small business owners. There are things that, um, are beyond our control. I think all of us feel a little bit slower. Like my friend in construction was like slower. My friend who is another tattooist, um, tattoo artist with a big shop said it's a little slower. So we're all having a little bit of a lag, um, not a completely dry, it hasn't completely run dry, but it's a little bit slower. So taking that opportunity to do more, uh, other things about marketing, decide making decisions. Um, I just created a little business group with a couple of friends who are business owners and we met and it already, you know, brought us all so much, first of all, joy, but also like, there were some tangible things that we all did for each other that were really helpful and support, you know, support with other business owners is really helpful. Um, ask your friends for their opinions. You know, do you like this art or this art? Like, do you like these business cards or these business cards? Um, each little piece, you know, it's, it, it can be a lot to decide on your own, make all these decisions. It can be overwhelming, but you have community, you have support, you can ask folks what they think. It doesn't have to be just you. And also you can hire people. Um, I will wrap this up. I think this was long enough. If you have further questions, please let me know. DM me on Instagram. I appreciate all of you listening so much and engaging with me when I ask questions about what you want to hear about. Uh, have a really, really lovely day.